Thank you guys for being here this morning. We're right smack dab in the middle of the Believe series. Um, it's, uh, it's been such a cool series for me so far. I hope it has been for you too. Um, uh, as we jump in, um, I just, as we kind of get into this, we're going to go a little bit, just a little bit different direction. Um, and so I want, if, if you do, if you have your Bibles, um, you go ahead and turn to the uh, book of Ephesians chapter 5 and just kind of hang out there. We'll get there in just a second. Um, but as we've kind of gone on through this series, we're just kind of establishing some things that we believe about God. And kind of the foundation of the series is that what we believe to be true affects the way that we live. It affects the way that we think. It affects the way um, that we make decisions, especially what we believe about God. What we believe about God changes everything. What we believe to be true about God um, affects the way that we live, affects our marriage, it affects the way we so even to the small things where we handle our finances. Um, and so we've just kind of gone through uh, a little bit of what we believe about God. We start off with just believing that God is the creator of the universe. We believe that, that God created everything that you see, created you, created your family, created the mountains and the oceans. We believe that God is the creator. We also believe, last week we talked about God being a living God, that God is living and active and that he is, he's not a, you know, an absentee landlord. He's not, he didn't just kind of create it and then go on vacation, but he's very much involved and, and active in this world and active in your life, and he wants to be uh, the center of your universe. He wants to be in relationship with you, and we kind of we talked about that a little bit. And now, based off those two things, we're kind of getting into the, into the course of, of this message. And, and, and one of the things that, that Paul says right smack dab in the middle of Ephesians um, chapter 5, he just makes this statement, and I, I want to kind of go backwards a little bit so that we can go a little bit more forwards, but this is just a statement that he makes in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17, he says this right here. He says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So a little bit of background right now on on Ephesus, the church of Ephesus was one of the most powerful churches um, that existed in the, in the early days, in the early church. Ephesus was a town that was absolutely um, bombarded I mean, with all types of just deep-seated evils. I mean, they had, they had temples to sex gods and temples to the god of violence, and they would do all of these weird um, acts, and they would go and buy these, these little, little idols, these little things to go into these temples to worship these gods, and sometimes that meant cutting themselves. Sometimes that meant um, doing some very ridiculously horrible things to children. I mean, there's all, there's just deep-seated evil that exists inside of this town, and what happens is when God, when, when the disciples showed up, God just moved in such a powerful, mighty way that the church was just, was, was not there one day, and then bam, and then the church was there, say, so I tried to use it, and then the church was there the one, the next day, I, I hate that stuff. I cannot stand that stuff. I have too much ADD. Please, God, don't let this thing pop again. Amen. And, and so as the church showed up, it showed up with such power that there was, people began to just start to follow Christ and leave their old life. There was no kind of like this struggle of, of, of what do I do with my life? It was just follow Jesus. And there was so, much, so many people that left their old life that fast that the economy started to crash because people were not buying these idols. People weren't buying. Uh, it's basically like if if the, all the little blacksmiths that made the idols sold the idols to these, um, to these like distributors, and the distributors sold them to the different temples, and the different temples sold them to the people so the people could come in, buy these idols, and, and do all these weird things. And everybody from the blacksmith to distributors to, the, to these temples were angry because they were losing so much money because people just were living a totally different lifestyle. So then the people of Ephesus started, they started to riot against the church, and they brought it. They wanted to bring it to Rome. They wanted to bring it to, to, the, to the heads, and it was just this violent 
kind of chaotic time in the church of Ephesus, and Paul's writing to them in this moment. And it's what he says. He says, listen, be very careful then how you live because of everything you know, he was just talking about. He says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. He was saying wisdom is being careful how you live, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. He's saying, listen, I want you to get something in your head. Time is not eternal, not in this life. You don't know how much time you have. This is not a fear deal. He's not saying, I want you to. It's not saying I want you to be afraid. <laughs> I don't want you to be afraid, but I want you to understand that you're here today. You could possibly be gone tomorrow with all the chaos and the craziness in this world and the brokenness in this world. You don't know how much time you have to live. You don't know how much time you have with your husband. You don't know how much time you have with your wife. You don't know how many time you have with your kids. Time is a very special thing. And so he says, listen, don't get distracted. Don't go all these weird ways. Don't go, just focus in on how you're living your life. Be wise in that because know that time is not forever. And he gets down to this point. He says, therefore, because time is not forever, because time is valuable, be wise with your time because the days of evil that's broken, it's crazy. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. He says, don't be foolish. You need to understand what the will of the Lord is. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to talk to you about understanding the will of the Lord, because one thing that we believe as Christians, we believe that God has a plan. And this is a massive belief. It's something that we say a lot. I say it all the time. I say, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan. There is a purpose. There's a reason. I, it's just a huge part of who I am. It's a huge part of what I preach and the way that I preach. <laughs> God's plan consists of two major parts. The first part is the big P plan. This is like the plan. This is like when God said, let there be light, let there be the world, let there be people. God had a plan. He wasn't just outside, you know, with no plan, with no idea. He, he knew what he was doing from the moment he did it. We see if we go back from Genesis to Revelation, we see that God has a plan. He told us from day one kind of the direction he was going and what he was thinking and what he wanted from the human race and what he wanted out of our life. And, and he promised us things like Jesus. He said that one day I'm going to bring this guy. He's going to make this thing known. He's going to make me known. And we see it through the lives of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We see it through Moses. We see it all through the people of Israel. We see it in to the, the times of Christ. We see it in the early church. We see it in the epistles. We see it in revelations. We see that God has a big P plan, that the moment that he created the world, that there was a plan for everything in it. Like That's a huge part of the plan. Like if deep theology would call this like God's sovereign will or God's sovereign plan, that God's in the middle of doing something and there's nobody on this planet that can prevent him from doing that thing that he wants to do. And he's in the way of, of using our lives and using the circumstances and the situations uh, to accomplish this, this big plan. And we know a little bit about this plan. We think we know a whole lot more than we probably really do. But this is like the plan of God, that big P plan that God's just doing his thing and it's going to happen despite whether or not we choose to get involved with his plan or not. But then there is the little P plan. This is the plan for your life and the plan for my life. This is the plan for the individual life. It's the little P plan. All right, and this is what Paul's talking about. And this is what you want to know about. Because, you know, in all my, all my short years of counseling people and advising people and talking to people, nobody's ever come into my office and said, I just really want to know the big picture plan for the world. I would really love to know the part that Russia is going to play in the big, the big P plan. I'd really like to know, Jordan, can we just talk about the apocalypse over some coffee? 
Can we, just, can we just go to the coffee house and talk about the apocalypse? Because I was reading through Revelations, and it says that there's this dragon, and I just really, I'm really wanting to know what that, how many times do you think that's happened to me? Zero. Right, there's just not a lot of us that are that concerned about the big P plan. One, even if we knew it, we really couldn't understand it that great. And what we're concerned about and what we think about and what we pray about and what Paul's referring to here and what all through what Christ is referring to all through the New Testament is talking about the little P plan, that plan for your life, that plan for the individual life. And that plan, that little P plan is broken into two parts as well. The first part is what I'm going to call the four W's. The what, when, where, and who. Right, this is what, when people want to go and have conversations, when people want to, Jordan, I need some advice, or I need some counsel, or, or when, we, when we start to pray about things, and we start to pray to God about his will, this is what we're talking about, the four W's, the, the what, when, where, and who. These are the things that we're focused on. These are the things that we're concerned about. This is the, God, what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do? What, what is my career going to be? What is my purpose? God, what do you want me to do in this life? What do you want me to do? When do you want me to do it? When do you want me to leave? When do you want me to go? When do you want me to sell my house? Is the timing right? Is the economy going to crash? God, when do you want me to go? God, when do you want me to buy? When do you want me to buy? The economy's kind of low. It's a good buying price. God, is it, could I, should I need to buy a new house now? Should I move now? When do I need to buy a new car? When do I need to leave? When do I need to go? I'm in the middle of this relationship. When is it time for me to get out of the relationship? I've been dating this guy for three years. I've been I'm dating this girl for five years, and things just aren't going well. When do I need to get out? When's, when's the time frame, God? When do I need to get out of this relationship that I'm in? Or when do I need to hop back into a relationship? I, maybe I've been broken up for three or four months. When do I need to get back in? I, I was in college, and I kind of dropped out. Do I need to go back? When do I need to go back? Where do I need to go? Where do I need to go to school? Where do I need to go? Where do I need to work? Where do I need to go to church? Where do I need to go to college? Where do you want me to go? What state do you want me to live in? What house do you want me to buy? Where's the neighborhood you want me to live in? What do you want me to do? These are the questions that we ask. Who do you want me to date? Who do you want me to marry? If you would just tell me, if you would just tell me who, I'll do it. Who do you want me to marry? Who do you want me to date? If you would just make it clear, who do you want me to work for? Who do you want me to be friends with? When we start thinking about the will of God and we start thinking about the plan of God, these are the things that we think about. These are the questions that we ask in our prayers, if we pray, when we pray, and we ask God about his will and we ask God to make things clear. These are the things that we're thinking about, right? These are the questions that we're asking. What am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to go? When am I supposed to do it? Who am I supposed to be with? Who am I supposed to date? Who am I supposed to marry? These are the questions. These are the ideas of personal guidance. That's what these are. That's what we seek. That's what we want. When we come to God, when we're concerned about God and we're thinking about our life, this is what we wish God would just tell us. This is what we wish we knew. And I've heard it all the time. You know, there's people I've heard all the time I talk to this. I really want to get involved in church, but I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I just don't know when I'm supposed to start. And I just don't know, you know, what my purpose is. And, and so until God makes my purpose clear, until God tells me when to start, I'm just going to kind of sit right here and do nothing. And a lot of times people will sit right there and do nothing, and then they die. Well, God never told me when. God never told me where. God never told me what. This is what we focus on so much of the time. This is the, the core of our heart. When we think about God, and most of the time when we pray, we are asking God about these things. We are asking God concerning the what, the when, the where, and the who, the four W's of personal guidance from God. That's kind of what we're concerned about. That's what we want to know about. That's what, we, that's what we crave after. 
And we think that because we think that if we just knew that, if we just knew exactly what God wanted me to do, then I would do that. If we knew just exactly where God wanted me to go to school, if we knew just knew exactly where he wanted me, if he just knew exactly what he wanted me to major in, then that's what I would major in. If he just would show me exactly who he would want me to marry, then that's who I would go marry. And I wouldn't mess around with all these other guys. I wouldn't mess around with all these other girls. I wouldn't waste my time. If God would just show me who, then that's what I would go after. If God would just make it clear, if God would just show me where I'm supposed to go or what I'm supposed to do, and we have this mentality, we have this idea in our heart in our life that if God would just stop playing riddles on us, if God would just stop making it hard to see, if God would just pick up the blindness, if God would just take it away, and we knew the what, and we knew the when, and we knew the where, and we knew the how, if we just knew all that stuff, then we'd be better Christians, or we'd be better people, or we'd be more successful. And, and sometimes it gets so bad, especially, especially I've seen this like, like late in life. You know, people are just like, God's just never made it clear to me. For young people, this is just one of those things. You know, I'm, I'm young and, and God just maybe hasn't made it clear, but then there's, there's older people too. There's middle-aged people and there's people going into retirement. God just never, God just never made my purpose clear. You know what? I've, I've, been, I've been married and divorced three times because God just never, he just never showed me who the one was, so I just had to guess. God just never made it clear what I was supposed to do, so I just spent my time rolling through this career, rolling through that career, and I just never, he never made my purpose clear. He never came down, and he never showed me what I was supposed to do. He never showed me. He never told me. You know, I hear people talking. I hear Christians talking all the time. God told them this. God told me that. I heard God say this. And, and you're thinking, God's never told me nothing. I never heard God audibly. I was never having breakfast one morning and then Jesus sat down next to me and laid out my life. I hear Jordan saying, you know, he knew what he was supposed to do and why hasn't God told me what I was supposed to do? And, and I've heard other people say, you know, God never told me. God never told me who I was supposed to marry. God never, he never made it clear. And we have this mentality, we have in this heart that, you know what, it's up to God. And when God tells us, then we'll go. And if God doesn't tell us, if he doesn't make the, the wind clear and he doesn't make the where clear and he doesn't, then it's his fault and it's on him. And if he doesn't make it clear, then I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm just not going to wait. I'm just going to live how I want to live and marry who I want to marry and take the job I want to take and do what I want to do and then I'm just going to live it out. You know, and if he ever cares and he ever wants to make it known, then he'll tell me and then I'll go and I'll do that. That's the kind of the mentality many of us have. It's a mentality I've had on and off most of my life that if God would just tell me the when, then I'll, I'll wait and I'll go. If God would just tell me the where, I'll go. If God would just tell me the who, then I'll make sure I do that. If God would just tell me what, then I would make sure I would do that. But this morning, I, I, I want to see if I can change your mind a little bit about the way that you think about the will of God. Change the way that, I, that we think about the plan of God. I want to see if we can shift our focus a little bit. Because there was a, the, the people of Israel, God's chosen people. If you go back and you read through the, the, his, the historical text of their life, the historical text of, of where they came from before Egypt and after Egypt and into the, into the land of the promise and the land of milk and honey, and, and we go through and you study, then there's something very interesting about the people of Israel. The people of Israel were God's chosen people, okay? And they, they lived in just some direct disobedience, and God allowed them to be overtaken by Egypt, and they served for 400 years as slaves in Egypt, generation after generation after generation of slaves under the control of Egypt. There's an awesome movie coming out that so far appears to be incredibly biblical. It's called Gods and Kings, and I think it's going to be awesome, and it's talking about this, this whole story that we're about to kind of look at. 
And what happened is, is God got a hold of Moses, and he told Moses, he said, Moses, I want you to go to the Pharaoh of Egypt. And I want you to tell him to let my people go, that he's had control of them long enough. And, and I want you to tell the people that I've got a plan. Moses, I want you to go. I want you to tell the Pharaoh to let my people go. And I want you to tell my people that I've got a plan. And so Moses goes and he tells the Pharaoh to let my people go. And he tells the people God's got a plan. All right. And the Pharaoh did the whole nah, yeah, nah, yeah. And then God says, Shoot. watch the movie. It's awesome. There's plagues and war and death. It'll be great. All right, and the Pharaoh kind of gets out of the picture. They cross over the Red Sea, and then right there, Moses, God lets the entire plan known to them. God says, listen, this is where I want you to go. I want you to go to Canaan. I want you to go to the land of promise. I want you to go to the land flowing with milk and honey. He gives them directions there. I want you to get there. That's the where. Who? I want you to follow Moses. Wherever Moses goes, I want you to go. How are you going to get there? Throw in a bonus. You're going to go through the desert. When are you going to go? You're going to go right now. And what are you going to be? You're going to be my people, and I'm going to be your God. The four W's plus the how. God said, here it is. Where? Canaan. Who? Moses. How? Through the desert. When? Right now. What are you supposed to be? You're supposed to be my people, and I'm going to be your God. Israel knew everything that you wish that you knew. Israel knew the who. Israel knew the what. Israel knew the when. All the questions that you want answered so bad. All the things that you wait. I mean, young girls, they sit and they think about for years while we're in the woods hitting each other with sticks. Girls are thinking about who they're going to marry. Girls are thinking about all the stuff that girls think about. All the guys don't really think that much about it, but we think about what we're going to do, what we're going to conquer, how we're going to live the life. Of, and we're going and we're thinking about all these things. These are the questions of life. These are the questions that we want answered. We want to know the where. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to know that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's totally natural. But what, the point I want to make to you this morning is that these are the things that we focus on. These are the things that we pray about. These are the things that we go after. These are the things that we think hold us back. But Israel had every single one answered as clear as day. And do you know what happened to the entire first generation of people who knew every single answer to every single question? Every one of them, except for two, died in the desert with the knowledge of exactly what they were supposed to be and where they were supposed to go and what they were supposed to do and when they were supposed to go there and who they were supposed to follow. Every single question was answered and it did not help them one single bit because every single one of them died in the desert what I want you to write down because it might not matter that much to you right now but there will come a moment there will come a time when you become addicted to one of the four W's when you're right in the middle of a dating relationship and you just want to know is this the guy or is this the one? Or you get a job offer and you just want to know, is this the job? Is this the, is this the direction I'm supposed to go? And you're going to become addicted to one of the four W's, addicted to the when do I leave, addicted to the what am I supposed to do, addicted to the who am I supposed to marry, addicted to one of these things, and it's going to overtake you and you're going to want to know it so bad. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Having that knowledge will not help you one single bit. The people of Israel knew every single thing. There was not one piece of the puzzle that they were lacking. 
They knew exactly where to go, exactly who to follow, exactly how to get there, and they never made it. See, we think that. We think this information is so valuable. We think the who, and we think the where, and we think the what, we think the when is so valuable because we think if we just know, then I'll go and I'll take it. If we just know, then I'll go. If we just know who, then that's who I would date. If we just know, I wouldn't waste my time. We think that's so valuable. But what I want you to know and what I want us to learn from the people of Israel this morning was just because you know, just because even if God told you the four W's doesn't mean you're ready to experience it. And just because you know who you're supposed to marry doesn't mean you're ready for marriage. Just because you know what you're supposed to do with your life does not mean you are ready to start doing that. Just because you know exactly where you're supposed to live doesn't mean you're ready to make the move. Just because you know what, just because you know when, just because you know where, just because you know who, just because you even know the how, just because you have that knowledge does not mean that you are ready, does not mean that you are prepared. Because he says something, God says something very unique to the people of Israel. This is a statement that I think is skipped over all the time. He makes this statement right here. He says, therefore, be careful to obey every command I am giving you today so you may have strength to go in and take over the land you are about to enter so that you may live long in the land the Lord swore to your ancestors to give them and their descendants a land flowing with milk and honey. I want to read something else, too, in just a minute. It comes after this. It's not going to be up there. He says, I want you to understand something. He comes to them, Deuteronomy chapter 11, and he starts to talk to them about this whole thing. They're standing near the edge of the land of Canaan. They already have the children of the second generation are already present, and they're kind of having this little argument between them and God. And God starts talking to them. He says, let me tell you something. He says, I want you to understand, it's not your children that are going to be held accountable for you because your children weren't there the day that I saved you. Your children weren't there the day that I pulled you out of Egypt. Your children weren't there to see all of the great power and all the great miracles I did. Your children weren't there to see those things. Your children weren't there when I gave them the rules and I gave you the life that I wanted you to live. They weren't there, and I want you to understand something. He said, I want, you, I want to give you this warning to the people of Israel, to the first generation. I want to give you this warning. Be careful to obey the commands that I've given you so that you may have strength to go in and take over the land and you're about to enter and so that you may live long in the land the Lord swore to your forefathers. He said, I want you to understand something. You know where you're going. I told you when to get there. You know who to follow to get there. But if you do not shift your focus, all right, from the four W's, if you do not shift your focus to, from the where and the what and the when and shift it down to how I want you to live your life, shift it down to the ways. He says, you're never going to be ready to get there. You're never going to be strong enough to get in. And even when you get there, you're not going to be strong enough to hang out. God said, I want you to understand something, people of Israel. You've got to shift your focus, all right, from the will of God, all right, from the what, the when, the where, and the how to my ways. Go ahead and go. Go back. I just want to read this real fast. This is something I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna read it, but I just felt like I needed. This is Deuteronomy chapter eleven. It says, Therefore, be careful to obey every command I'm giving you today, so you may have strength to go in and take over the land that you're about to enter, so that you may live long in a land the Lord swore to your ancestors to give them and their descendants a land flowing with milk and honey. This is eleven chapter nine. I'm gonna go right in after that. For the land that you are entering to take possession of, listen to this, is not like the land of Egypt 
from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and irrigated it like a garden of vegetables. But the land that you're going to over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water by the rain from heaven, a land that the Lord your God cares for every day. The eyes of the Lord your God are always upon it from beginning of the year to the end of the year. And if deed you will obey my commandments that I command you today to love your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, he will give the rain for the land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain and your wine and your oil. He says, listen, I want you to understand something about where you're headed. Where you came from, all right, it was up to you. Where you came from, whatever you put your hands to do, that's what happened. If you sowed, you would reap. The dependency was on you. The dependency was on man. The dependency was on the armies of Egypt. The dependencies was on the protection of the Pharaoh. The dependency was on all of those things. He says, but where you're going, it's a land filling with valleys and hills. And if it doesn't rain, you will die. He says, I want you to understand something. I want you to get this. This is God talking to the people of Israel. He says, if you do not begin to focus on who I want you to be rather than where I want you to go, and you start becoming the person that I've called you to be, obeying the way that I told you to live life, if you don't start focusing on who I want you to be rather than where I want you to go, you are not going to be able to get there and take out the battles that are in the way, and you're not going to be able to survive there when you get there. He says, because where you're coming from, you're used to, if you just would push through, if you just would force the way, then the door would open. And if you would just put your mind to it, then everything would be good. And if you just work, it was all based on you it was all based on your strength. It was all based off what you thought. It was all based off what you wanted. And what God is saying is where you're going, none of that matters. He says, if you don't learn to depend on me and focus on me and focus on what I want you to be, when you show up to the place where you know you're supposed to go, you won't have the ability to conquer the enemies in the land anyway, nor will you have the ability to enjoy the promises that I've given you. Let me break it down and put it in your day-to-day life. He's saying this right here. He's saying, listen, you can spend all day long going to the gym and trying to work out your body and going to your job and working day in and day out and trying to get the promotion and trying to get the career and trying to get the money and trying to get the car and trying to get the house, trying to make yourself who you want to be for the wife or the husband that you think you're looking for. And you can do, you can go and you can make great grades and you can go and you can succeed in every area of the world and you can become everything that you think you need to become. But if you don't ever get to a place in your heart and you don't ever get to a place in your life where you learn to focus on God and focus on his ways and focus on who he wants you to be, rather than what you accomplish, God says if you're not careful when you show up, you will not be prepared to fight the battles that you have to fight to enjoy the promises that I want to give you. What am I saying is, is that if you don't start focusing on yourself, when Mr. Wright does show up, you're going to blow the relationship up just like you did the last one. All right? What that means is, is if you're so focused on who's coming, that might not mean that you're ready to be married. The greatest thing that God ever did for me was did not introduce me to my wife until I was ready to be introduced to my wife. Because if she had come one second earlier, one year earlier, two years earlier, I would have never appreciated what I had. I would have never been able to stay faithful. I would have never been able to stay committed. I would never have been able to stay patient enough. I would have never been ready. Why? Because I was not ready to be married. God said, you've got to get in your heart and you've got to get in your mind. There are things that you want. There are things that you think you need. And there are things that I want to give you. 
All right, but there are some things going on in your life. There are some ways that you think, the ways that you act, the ways that you handle, the control problems, the selfishness, the inconsiderate. There are those things in your life. It's going to destroy the relationship, even if I gave it to you right now, even if it was the one, even if it was the girl, even if it was the guy. You are not ready to be married, so why would I bring your man or your woman to you to let you destroy the good things that I want to give you because you're not ready for it anyway? Why? Why would I give you the next job? Why would I give you your career? Why would I show you your promise? Why would I show you your purpose? Why would I deliver your purpose, deliver that career, that thing that would bring satisfaction? Why would I give it to you knowing that you are not ready for it and prepared for it? God said, I want you to get this in your heart and get this in your mind. This is one of the last warnings that he gives to the people of Israel, to this first generation. He says, if you don't shift your focus all right, to my ways, and you don't shift your focus to being who I've called you to be, and you don't shift your focus back to me. He said, you will never even have the strength to conquer the enemies when you get there. It means that you're never gonna have the strength. Even if, even if everything that you think you wanted showed up, even if you knew exactly who or what or when and where, and you knew how to get there, if you are not ready We'll squander it just like we've squandered so many other good things from God. God said, it's not about the what, the when, the where, and the how. I don't think that God cares that much about the what, the when, the where, and the how nearly as much as he cares about who you are and how you are living your life. God entrusted Courtney to me because she is his daughter. Why would he risk his own daughter being hurt and living in chaos and going through the hell that the 19 and 20 year old Jordan would have put her through? Does that make sense? Why? Why would he do that? Here's my answer. I don't think he would. This is why I think that there's a lot of us, we never get to know the when, and we never get to know the where, and we never get to know the, the who and the what, because we never focus on God and his ways. If we go back to the original scripture, go two down. In Ephesians, he says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. See, if you take the four W's out, forget about the personal guidance. Forget about that. We'll get back to that in a minute. And you read that the way that Paul meant it, because this is right smack dab in the middle of the how you live your life part of the letter. Be very careful then how you live. Be wise about the way that you live. Be wise about the way that you use your time, because the days are evil. He says, don't be foolish, but know and understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul's saying the will of the Lord, the ultimate will of the Lord is to know Christ and to live in his ways. And see, in this, in this, and this is me, listen, I'm not preaching to you guys, I'm preaching to me. 
because I want to know what's next. I want to know what's going to happen five years from now. I want to know the who. I want to know the when. I want to know that so I can prepare for it and I can get to it and I can and do that. And what Paul is saying, he says, listen to me. He said, you got to shift your focus because the will, the ultimate will of the Lord, the ultimate will of the Lord for your life is to know and be in relationship with Jesus Christ and to live in his ways. We've got to shift our focus to that. Because when we shift our focus to living in his ways, we shift our focus to our relationship with Christ and being who God wants us to be. Several things begin to take place. The first thing, focusing on his ways prepares us for the battles we will face. The statement that he made to the people of Israel right before they walked in, he says, listen, I want you to understand, I'm trying to prepare you. What do you think the desert was? Do you think the desert was punishment? See, there's a lot of us, we look at it as punishment. Well, they didn't do what God said, so they were punished for 40 years. They didn't do what God said, so God spanked them. They didn't do what God said, so God put them in the corner. God, they didn't do what God said, so God punished them by making them hang out in the desert. God was not punishing them at all. God was giving them time to prepare and to become who they needed to be so that they could fight the battles they got to in life. See, part of it is just God wants us to be prepared to grow up a little bit so that when we enter into the main job, we enter into our purpose, we enter into our career, we enter into to who God wants us to be with, that we're prepared to fight those battles and be victorious. Do you want to know how the direction this, does there, I just want to, everybody agrees that God's doing some awesome things at Harvest Cove, right? I think so. Man, dude, I'm so pumped about it every day of my life. I'm just jacked, high on life about what God's doing here. I love it every single day of my life. But do you want to know something? I'm telling you right this very moment, if I had taken over this church, this is not taken away from the greatness of God, if I had taken over this church, if Ryan had called me six months earlier and asked me to come pastor this church, and I came six months earlier, I would have not been in a place and prepared to do what God wanted me to do here. There's a strong possibility I would have jacked some things up. Because I know who I was six months ago. Do you know right now as we're kind of going through these projects and we're going through all this stuff and, and we're kind of growing and we're learning and we're experiencing what God's doing, do you know that a year ago, two years ago, we were not prepared to handle what we're doing right now? Does that make sense? I wasn't wise. I didn't have my, I didn't have my act together. You think of the band? I mean, how awesome the band is. I remember when they weren't quite that awesome. And they, they weren't at a level of maturity. They weren't at a level of, of, of understanding the worship of God. They weren't at a level to, to be able to lead the way that they are today. See, a lot of times the reason we don't know the when or we don't know the what or we don't know the how is because God is preparing us to be able to handle the battles that come because there's some battles I'm fighting today that last year I just would have ran away from, which is the second thing. When you start to focus on God and you start to focus on Christ and your relationship with Christ and focusing on his ways, you become strong enough not to run. There's been a lot of times in my life, and you go back and you ask my family, I would run at a moment's notice from whatever it was. Sometimes because I didn't want to fight the battles. Sometimes I was just bored. Sometimes I just wasn't ready. I just wasn't mature enough. I just wasn't prepared 
to fight the battles. And so I ran. William Wallace, one of the coolest people on the face of the planet, Braveheart, he made a statement. Do you know a battle you for sure are going to lose? The one you don't fight. And then he also said, freedom. <laughs> I've said that so many times in my life for no reason. Restaurants, football games, by myself alone, sitting on the couch with my dog, Bella, shouting it out, freedom. Greatest line in the movie ever. He said, listen, the only battle you for sure will lose in this life are the ones that you don't fight. There's a lot of things that show up. I mean, all the, all the married people that have been married for a while, there's some battles that go on in marriage, right? Except for all you perfect people. But you just polish your halos and shut up. <laughs> While the rest of us, for real. I, there's some great things going on at Harvest Cove, man, but there's been battles. For me personally, there's been battles that the church has had to face. There's been battles, man. When God is in the middle of moving in your heart and moving in your life and taking you where you want to go, I can guarantee you there will be battles to fight. You know one of the statements that God said about Israel when they first left Egypt? The fastest way would have been to go left, but they went right, and God said, I, I got to take them right. I got to take them the long way. Because if I take them this way, they're going to run into the Philistines really quick, and then the war will scare them away, and they will run back to Egypt. That's what God said. God knows the battles that you can fight. God knows when you will run. And if he's got to take you the long way, if he's got to take you through some bad situations, if he's got to take you through some hilly roads to make sure you're prepared for that battle, then that's what he'll do because he understands the beauty of his promise. He understands how good life can be. He understands what marriage is truly like and what it was built for. He understands He understands the power of the family. He understands some of the greatest things in life, and he understands that if we don't get prepared in his ways, that we will waste some of the greatest gifts that he's ever given us. And so his idea idea of taking us around or making sure we don't always know we're doing this. He's doing it in an effort to prepare us so that we can enjoy the promises that he has for us so that we don't just jack them up and throw them away and waste them. That's what God wants to do. And ultimately, it comes down to this point right here, that if you shift your focus to his ways, you will inevitably find his will. If you focus on his ways, if you get every, every, you stop worrying about the who. You stop worrying about who you're going to date, who you're going to marry. You stop worrying about where you're going to go and, and where you're going to live. You stop worrying about when you're supposed to do it. You stop worrying about that. And you come down and you focus on his ways. And you look at every area of your life. And you say, all right, God, in this area of my life, I'm going to do things your way. In this area of my life, I'm going to do things your way. In this area of my life, I'm going to do things your way. And that's what you focus on. And you focus on Christ. And you focus on pleasing God. And you start bringing each area of your life into surrender. And you start living your life like that. I'm going to tell you something. All of a sudden, before before you know it, you'll be living the life, and you'll, be, you'll know the wins and the where's and the what's, and you'll just be there. Let me tell you something. I don't know if he's here. Is Brian here? Yes, you are. He, Brian was here until 5.30 last night, working his butt off. So was Justin. The work day ended at 1. They left at 5.30 this morning. Rock stars. Did y'all see the thing that they built when you walked in here in front of the children's deal? Nobody saw that? You guys are all blind? Okay, so on your way out, I want you to look at this thing, all right? I saw a picture of this thing beforehand, before I lie. You didn't have any instructions when y'all built that, right? Say no. Say no. You'll ruin my sermon illustration. No. Good deal. You really didn't, though, right? 
because I know you, you didn't have instructions. So they saw a picture. Christina brought them a picture, and they said, here's a picture of this thing. I want you to build it. You know what they did? They built it. They built it. Why? Brian and Justin, they got the knowledge. They know how to do that. They had the tools. They know how to do that. Even if it took them until 5.30 in the morning, they built that thing. And they're going to paint it. It's going to look awesome. Now let's pretend that Christina brought that very same picture into my office. <laughs> sat down with me. Showed me the picture. Said, Jordan, I want you to build this. What do you think I would come up with? <laughs> let, me, let me tell you. You know what my job was yesterday? Their job was to build the church. My job was to hang stuff on the wall. Right? That's how good I am at stuff like that. If you were to hand me that picture... Never in a million, zillion years would I have been able to produce what they produced because I don't know what the heck I'm doing, and I don't even have the tools to do it. But if Christina would have brought me just the instructions, not the picture at all, just the instructions, pretend I had no idea what it was supposed to look like, but she brought me just the instructions. And I followed the instructions slowly, but surely. And I didn't worry about anything but following the instructions. Going from step one to step two to step three to step four to step five to step six to step 6,112. Eventually, I would wind up with that. Even if I didn't know what it looked like from the beginning. Even if I didn't have any idea what it was supposed to look like. If you gave me the instructions and I just started following the instructions, I wasn't concerned with what it was going to look like. I wasn't concerned with messing up. Why? Because I would have faith that whoever created the instructions knows what they want when it's done. And my only job was to just follow the instructions. I would, in time, wind up with exactly what they built. And see, my point to you this morning, before we get in, Taylor, you can come up here. My point to you this morning is that the what, the when, the where, the how, the who means nothing. Because even if you know it, even if you can see it, but you don't have the instructions, you'd never be able to build it anyway. Even if you knew who you were supposed to marry, if you didn't have God's ways, right, and you weren't surrendered to God's ways, and you tried to handle that marriage outside of God's ways, it wouldn't matter. Right, but if you just stopped caring for a minute, about the who and the what, the when and the where and you just started to focus on Christ and his ways and you just follow the instructions because he gives you some pretty solid instructions about everything and you just said God tomorrow is in the realm of your responsibility today is in the realm of my responsibility my past is my past what I've screwed up, I've screwed up God's forgotten about it, you need to forget about it. The Bible says tomorrow is on the responsibility of a living God. Today, right now, in your realm of responsibility, 
you can start to do things his way. And when you start to do things his way, in time, your life will look exactly like what it's supposed to look like. But if you don't focus on God and you don't focus on his ways and you do like the people of Israel, you keep focusing on all these other things and you keep trying to do all these other things and you don't ever bring your life in the real surrenderance, before you know it, time will be gone because the days are evil and you'll be camped out in the desert, dying one by one, wondering why you never made it to the promised land. I want to read something to you. It's in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Paul says from chapters 1 to chapters 11 of Romans, he explains the beauty of Jesus Christ. He explains all that Christ has done. To sum it up, he says, God is the creator of the universe. We turned our backs on the creator of the universe. And he loved us enough that he gave up his only son to save us. So that God is not just our creator, but that he is also our savior. And he says, because these two things are true, because God is creator and God is savior, he says, I urge you, I plead with you, give your bodies, give your lives to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. He says, this is what I want you to do. Because God is creator, because he is your savior, because he is all he has done for you, I want you to come to a place in your heart and your life where you view yourself as a sacrifice to God and you lay down your life and you lay down your heart and you say, whatever you want is what I want. Not my, not my heart, your heart. Not my desires, your desires. Not my thoughts, your thoughts. Not how I want to be married, how you want me to be married. Not how you want me to raise my, I mean, not how I want to raise my kids, how you want me to raise my kids. Not the career that I want, but the career that you want. Whatever you think is right is what I say is right. I lay down my life as a living sacrifice. I will live today any way you want me to live. Whatever you tell me to do, it's yours. I'm yours. I will not go anywhere but where you want me to go. I will not do anything but what you want me to do. I lay my life down. I give you my heart as a living sacrifice. It says I'm laying myself upon the altar of God. Whatever you want, whatever you see, whatever your will is, that's what it is for me. I'm yours. I give myself away completely. I don't want any control. If I don't, no matter what I have, what I possess, it's yours completely. That's what Paul says. I just want to make that as clear as I can. Because then he says this. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of the world. Some of your translation may say, don't conform to the patterns of the world. Don't copy, don't live like the world. Listen to this. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. 
says, if you lay your life down as a living sacrifice and you surrender your life to God, I want to make something clear. Not go to church. Surrender your life to God. The hard things, the secret things, the things nobody knows about, the things you don't want to talk about, the things that control you, the things you try to hide from everybody. Those are things. Lay everything down. Give your heart to Christ in a way you never have. I will live my life for you, God. I won't just come to church and lift my hands and worship you, but I will live Monday to Monday, Tuesday to Tuesday, year to year, lifetime to lifetime. I will give you every single thing in my life. I am yours before I'm anybody else's. If you lay your life down like that, you give yourself to God like that, and you stop copying the behaviors of the world, and you stop living like the world tells you to live, it says that you won't transform yourself, but God will get involved, and God will transform you by changing the way that you think and you perceive life. It says, and then in that moment and that type of lifestyle then you will learn to know God's will for your life he says I want you to know the four W's I want you to know the who and the when the where and the what but you will never know the who the when the where and the what until you learn the definition of surrender Right? That's what we struggle with in this country. That's what you struggle with because you want to surrender some parts of your life and most of us do it in some sort of weird religious effort to get to heaven. But what God says is I want you to surrender every single area of your life to me because I am God and you are not. I'm the creator and you are the creation. I'm the king and you're the servant. I'm the father and you're the child and you do not get a say in the life that I want you to live. I want you to lay everything everything down for me because I laid everything down for you. I want you to give me your everything because I gave you my everything. I want you to lay your life down and live for me and worship me and serve me because it was my son that was pierced and died on a cross. You don't get to show up once every seven days and then dictate the way you live your life. I'm telling you right now, I am God and I am worthy of your worship. I am worthy of your sacrifice and if you live your way any other way than surrendering every area of your life down before me. You are living in a way that is not worthy of me and you will never know the who, the when, the where, and the what. Stop focusing on those things. Focus on me because I'm the God of all gods. Focus on surrendering your life to me and then I will get involved and I will change you and I will take you to the land of promise and you will experience the beauty of marriage instead of divorce. You will experience the beauty of this life instead of the junk that is here. You're tired of living in this sick, sad, broken world. You want to experience joy. You want to experience the happiness of God. You want to experience those things. Then stop doing things your way and do it God's way. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. You carry your same selfish, inconsiderate, control freak of a problem into your second marriage, it'll end the same way the first one did. I'm telling you right now, we are so good at changing our surroundings, hoping that this is what we think, because we think it's everybody else. We think it's the circumstances, we think it's the situations, we think it was him, we think it was her. It's you. It's always you. It's always us because we're broken and God says you don't have a shot without me no matter how good you think you are 
No matter how strong you think you are, how wise you think you are, how slick you think you are, you don't know. If you lay yourself down, you give yourself to me, then I'm going to show up in your life and I'm going to take you exactly where you need to go. Do you know why? This is an arrogant all. Do you know why? That I know, I know that I know that I know that I know that I will be successful in this life because I'm going to keep this true. That's the only thing I'm going to focus on. I'm going to keep this true. No matter when I sin, how much I mess up, every day I'm going to wake up. I'm going to bow my life down to God. I'm going to bow a knee to Christ so I don't have to bow a knee to this world and I will live for him. All right? Whether I die today or I die 100 years from now, I'm going to be his. And I'm going to be exactly where I'm supposed to be, doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. My point to you is this morning, if you are surrendered and living your life in his ways, you are automatically in his will and you will show up exactly where you're supposed to show up, exactly when you're supposed to get there and you will be exactly with who you're supposed to be with. There's nothing in this world that's going to bring the satisfaction of what God has planned for you. There's nothing in this world and God says, surrender yourself to me and you will see and you will know exactly what I have planned for you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to sing a song together. We're going to sing my favorite song together. And here are the lyrics. It says, you stood before creation, eternity within your hand. You spoke the earth into motion, my soul now to stand. He says, you know what? You stood before creation. You are the creator God. You are holy and magnificent. You are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You stood before creation, eternity in your hand. You spoke the earth into motion, my soul now to stand. You stood before my failure. You carried the cross for my shame. My sin weighed upon your shoulders, my soul now to stand. So what can I say? What can I do? but offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. It's just what Paul's saying in Romans 12.1. God is the creator. God is the savior. God saved you. God died for you. God did everything for you. What can you do? Absolutely nothing. The only thing we can do is lay our hearts down to a living God forever. He says, so in light of that, I will stand with arms high and heart bent in all of the one who gave it all. I will stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrendered. All I am is yours. Let's sing this song in just a minute. Some of you are just going to sing it, and then some of you are going to sing it. For some of you this morning, this song itself can be a prayer and an act of surrenderance to God. What can we do? Nothing. But stand before the God of all gods, arms high in an act of surrenderance, heart abandoned, soul surrendered, and say, all I am is yours. You guys will stand with me. Father God, I pray, Lord, right now that you will let your spirit rest in this house, God. I pray, Lord God, right now that you will let your power rest in this place. 
I pray, God, right now that you will consume our hearts and consume our minds, Lord God. I pray, Lord, right now that you will open us up to you. I pray, Father, that as we go through the next few minutes, God, of singing this song, God, that it will not just be words on our lips, God, that it will be an act, a symbol of something that's going on deep in our hearts, God. I pray, Lord, right now, this morning, for people to surrender their life to you, God. I pray, Lord, right now, that you would just let your spirit lead us this morning to you. God, let us shift our focus from this world. God, let us shift our focus from what's going on in the Middle East. Let us shift our focus from what's going on in the government. Let us shift our focus from the what, when, where, and who. God, let us shift our focus to you and to your ways. I pray, Lord God, this morning, even if it's just one person who makes an act of total surrender, God, I pray, Lord, that you will draw us to you in a way only you can do, God. I pray, Lord, right now that you will reveal areas in our life that we need to surrender to you, God. I pray, Lord, that your spirit will rest in this house, God, that your presence will rest in this house as we worship you with our lives this morning. Be with us and raise us up. In your holy and your precious name, just worship him this morning.